Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. We're coming to you after Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. Potential banana skin. Not sure what you're talking about. Um, I've got Chief in Belfast. Chief, let's just get stuck into it. Um, Lineup, I think, huge concerns, massive concerns. Gomez and Madoff at the back. No recognised number six, McAllister playing in there. We've got the derided, unbeknown to me, Dwight, Curtis Jones playing in the midfield. And Nunez keeps his place up front. No space for Gakpo, no space for Jada. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, Ugh. for me, it was very much, I think we talked about this at the pod before, we just don't really know because Chelsea away is a bit of an unknown quantity. That point might start to look worse and worse as the season goes on. It seems to be, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> honestly, wild. Um, like, based on. Apparently, a good time to play them, but perhaps not. They hadn't realised how shit they were. No, I know, I know. Uh, we might have galvanised them and thought, made them think they were better than they actually are as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, so there's that game, which is weird. Um, we still know we're short in the market. Um, and then we basically play two games with 10 men for the majority of the time. But we were ropey against Bournemouth. We come out of it with three points. Um, we don't look like anything remotely close to a functional Liverpool side against Newcastle, let alone playing with 10 men for you know the majority of the game. Smash and grab at the end after what looks like a very well, you know, manicured, adopted tactical approach that sucks them in, pins them back, and then goes for the throat in the last 10. And, and we managed to, to put it out of the bag with two unbelievable finishes. It was brilliant, that, though. I mean, that really was, you know, when people say Klopp's just a motivational guy or whatever, I mean, that that's that's a game that massively proves them wrong. Like, yeah. Um, Absolutely. That, I, I think I said class. last week, like the, that second half performance, Jose would have been proud of that. He'd have been 100%. telling us all. He would have been absolutely lauded for it as well. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So we go into this game and we're like, this is probably, hopefully, the first like real opportunity we have to see like as a, a standard Liverpool side at home, eleven v eleven. Um, but wow. You know, Van Dyke's out, Kanate's out. We don't know what we're going to do up front. Darwin's like asked the manager a question of what do I do with you now? But you know, we we look really functional. And I think the thing that encouraged me the most was our press was high, our press was coherent. Um and the guy that frightens me in that team the most, both because I think he's really good, and I've mentioned this a number of times, but also because his record against us is excellent, is, is Ollie Watkins. And you wouldn't even have been able to tell that he was on the pitch for the majority of the time. So ultimately, you know, the early goal does change things, but we are so 
controlled and dominant in a very you know calm and methodical way it was really really encouraging yeah we it, it was it was the most polished performance we've seen in in over a season i would say um you know there might may have been one or, or two in the in the in the back end of last season but you know it's hard to pick one out i mean that was just it was just very, very polished, as you said. Uh, we dominated really from start to finish. Obviously, the early goal massively helps, but the way the game unfolded, you sort of think that if not then, the early goal would have probably come within the next sort of five, ten minutes anyway. The way the game actually panned out, Villa offered very, very little. I was quite surprised. I think, you know, the pundits beforehand, okay probably a little bias when there's Peter Schmeichel involved and um, and one or two others with with certain persuasions. But um, you know, they were all tipping Villa to uh, to cause you know to, to give us trouble, cause an upset, maybe grab a point, maybe more. And they just were not in the game. I mean they had a couple of a couple of chances in the first half perhaps that McGinn they seemed to both fall them again. But you know, they were, they were pot shots from outside the box, basically. I mean, the uh, first one he plays is high and wide, and I think the, the second one was, was quite similar. I can't even I can't even recall it that well at this point. But um, they just they didn't really offer much, and how much of that was down to, to Liverpool being very, very good, which they clearly were. And Villa just not quite have... You know, it it it's it not quite working for them on the day. I'm not sure, but um, it was. I mean, they had that um, heavy defeat away at Newcastle as well. So maybe it's something to do with with the high line or or whatever. But um, Liverpool were very very comfortable, and obviously when one flies in um, after what was it three and a half minutes, something like that, four minutes. Um, you know, you're you're um, you're in the driving seat early on, but we pressed the advantage, and we never really looked at any point troubled in any way. And as you say, Madab and um, and Joe Gomez did a great job. Gomez had the one slip which led to the McGinn's first chance, I think, um, but didn't get punished and and recovered really well from that and, and was excellent. Some people. Had him as man of the match. Sabozlai looks class. McAllister was really tidy. Um, Nunes hit the post and the bar and was involved in in all of the goals. Um, you know, um, Diaz looked looked menacing again. Salah gets his goal again. So you got to be happy. Like Trent was good. I mean, Trent was great. The 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 range, the passing range, was there for everyone to see. Um, Robbo had a good game. Pretty much everyone, you know. Alisson made one one very good save. I think at the beginning of the second half. Um, so everyone was involved. Everyone played well. Everyone played their part, and uh, it was it was a really nice watch actually because you never at any point felt we're not winning this. Yeah, it's interesting to say it was a nice watch because you know, see, <laughs> quietly. We are the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League. It's 15 games unbeaten. Uh, uh, five wins. Sorry, five wins. Five draws, ten wins. Um, 
I think it's safe to say we've had certainly the most difficult on paper first four games of the season. We're, we're out of it with 10 points from 12. You know, Chelsea away, out of the road. Newcastle away, out of the road. I, I think it remains to be seen what what those teams do, you know, between now and the end of the season um, to kind of assess what those results actually mean. But Villa at home again, you know, a team that people were tipping for, you know, top six potentially pushing for. And, yeah, all those games towards the end of last season, you know, those, what, 11 games unbeaten, I think we win the majority of them, if not all of them, like by the odd goal. So it's an unusual um, luxury <laughs> to be two goals up so early and just sit back and enjoy your side playing really well. This system, you know, there's been a lot of criticism and the likes of, you know, particularly I think Andy Robertson, you know,'s adaptation to this, but. I think we have to remember this system and the new roles, particularly that players have to adapt to, is still in its infancy. And I think, you know, we've got to give these guys the benefit of the doubt that, you know, the tweaks and additional coaching and familiarity with their teammates new signings and not just the new signings but also the familiarity with the new rules the players are around them are being asked to play that's a more difficult adaptation than i think a lot of supporters are have an understanding of so i think maybe we're now starting to see this system and the players within it starting to now get to grips with it a little bit more and I'm being very very half glass full here but the likes of Andy Robertson maybe starting to go do you know what sometimes maybe sometimes you see with players performances chief that a penny just drops and maybe for a couple of these guys a penny just has dropped and this might be a jumping off point for us yeah, well, I, I think you make a good point. It's 15 games unbeaten and 10 wins and five draws is is not to be sniffed at. Um, we seem to be progressively getting better and have been during that run. Um, and yeah, I mean, when obviously when you're when you are tweaking a system, or I mean, we've shifted quite a bit, I suppose, with this sort of quote-unquote hybrid role and asking our, you know, centre-backs to cover more ground, basically, you know, moving our our right-sided defender into the centre midfield and sometimes even dropping in the, the centre-back at times there at the weekend. Um, you know, there is there are different responsibilities and players do have to adapt. And while I think fans are conscious of that and we're all conscious of it, there's it's also the reality of the need to win and the, and the desire to be at the top and 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 to be fighting for things so while you while you know it in the background it, it it's hard for people to actually put that into action and 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 give it the time because you need to win so you can understand the frustration with certain players but there's no doubt that the players we have have been selected 
for, amongst other things, their their tactical uh, aptitude, their ability to be able to adapt, their agility, mental agility, and 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 obviously physical. So, with a little bit of time, you'd hope that the penny might drop, and it seems to be to be you know coming to fruition. And and right now, we are looking at at a brand new team. You know, we've done it incrementally, but you sort of think we, we didn't make any signings last season, but, you know, we signed the likes of, of Darwin Nunes last season. You know, you you brought in the likes of Cody Gakpo this season. You brought in a, an entirely new midfield to all intents and purposes, one of which we've yet to see. And we've coasted through the weekend there without even mentioning our new signing because we haven't needed to. We haven't. Yeah, don't worry, we'll get there. Yeah, of course, but we haven't had to rush him in or 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 try to whether he was signed before the deadline. I'm not sure, but we haven't needed to push that through because we're we're massively short. Quite the contrary, um, right at this point, so things are good right now, and and you can see the plan. You know, you can see how the midfielders fit. You can see the potency we have up front, and I think we're going to come on to talk more about the defence as well, which is, is is a bit of a bone of contention for for some, but perhaps not as bad as 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 we make out. So, you know, right now it's looking up, and yeah, the you know with the with the players we've brought in, you know, we can, we'll probably go and touch on a few individuals now, but um, we look like a like a very menacing outfit. Yeah, so let, let's get to the first goal. It, it comes early on. I think what's really encouraging is it's it's a really high press. Salah Nunez, um, who's been criticised, you know, openly for for not doing his you know defensive duties. You know, he wins the corner after Salah nicks the ball in their box, um, and the ball finds its way after everybody misses it to the, to the edge of the area. And the young lad, who everybody's talking about. Um, Sebastian, honestly, like it's just the most pure strike. Um, it's one of those ones where you know it's really difficult. I think it's I think people don't realize how difficult that that ball is to strike because it's it's bending as it arrives at him. It's just on the bounce, and. It's so controlled. If you watch how he hits the ball, he doesn't even follow through on it. Um, it's just a pure, clean contract contact. It's almost a, like he almost punches it with his foot. It's almost a jab, and he punches it into the ground, huh? No, 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 no. It's 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 clean off his foot and clean in. Um, and it looked like it took a deflection, but I've looked at it a number of times and, and it doesn't. It but... comes it comes off the ground. He punches it into the. In the ground, that's why it looks like it takes a deflection. I'm sure. I'm actually sure you're wrong, but I'm not going to get into semantics on this now. <laughs> but, anyway, but but yeah, it, it's it's what we heard about this guy. Um, unbelievable striker of the football, technically gifted. He's he's got pace. He's got power. He's technically, you know, I I think I already said technically gifted because I'm already getting carried away, but. You hear him speak in interviews and with, with such authority for, for 22. He's like, yeah, good team, good coach, really good players, um, kind of having a nice time. But I feel like not just with the ability he has, but 
he's rocking around Anfield or the he Premier 100%, League. One hundred percent, by the way, punches it into the ground. All right, okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but he's just rocking around football matches and and grounds at the minute. It feels to me with the attitude that he thinks slash knows he's the best midfielder about right now. A hundred percent. He's got the he's playing with absolute swagger. I'm just looking at I flicked it on just because I wanted to double check. And I'm watching every angle of this goal now. And the way he hits it, he hits it specifically into the ground. And to hit it like that, and you're absolutely right. He it's it's like a it's like a golf shot almost. Not that I'm a golfer, but I've seen it on TV. You know what I mean? Sometimes you as you said, you just jab it, you just punch it. And it flies in and He's, he's, you know, there hasn't been anyone since Gerard that you could even think about comparing to Gerard in any way. And obviously, it's early days yet, but he bosses a midfield and, and plays in the midfield a little bit like a certain Steven Gerrard. Like, I mean, he's got the shots, he's got the set piece delivery, he's got the 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 energy, he's got the um, you know, he covers the ground, he's got the you know, the bite, the tackle. He's got, I think the word chief is the word fucking dynamism, isn't it? Yeah, he's that's it. Like he's, he he plays the game like and then slightly perhaps slightly more controlled dynamism than than Stevie was at twenty two, but um, you know he's got all he's he, I think he's got all the same explosivity if that's a word word or explosiveness. It, it it's. I think it's very apparent that that role is his, you know, and he's, I mean, he's, for me, he's been a, a bit of a revelation because I didn't see much of him at Leipzig and, you know, over, you know, Andy and, and a couple of the others, probably yourself were very excited about getting him. And Chief, I like, honestly, yeah. like I, I'd said at the time, like I genuinely couldn't have picked him out of a lineup. There you um, go. Well, I think Andy was certainly very, um, yeah, exactly. watches much more German football than I do, which is like none at all. And yeah. for me, this for me this was very much like a fucking um, like an like a early Premier League kind of mid nineties signing where like who's this guy? Yeah, like I, I remember, I think Ginola is probably the one that sticks out in my head. Like who the fuck is David Ginola? And I watched him play, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I haven't really had that feeling for a while because football is so you know global and we've got social media now and promoted but um yeah this is i'm watching this guy going almost thinking to myself how did i not know more about him yeah but me too in a way but i mean to be fair he is still very young and you know unless you're unless you're you know not doing much on a saturday night you're probably not watching the bundesliga offering on on bt you know what I mean? If you are, you know, you're probably, if you're in the Premier League team, you're probably, or into the league, you're probably watching the Premier League match. So you're not really seeing that much. Plus, usually it's Dortmund or Bayern that are televised and Leipzig not so often. So, and again, if you're watching Champions League, you've probably been watching the Liverpool match or whatever the English game is and not whoever Leipzig are playing. Plus, Leipzig got dicked 7-1 by uh, City last season and generally have a tough time when they get into the, the latter stages of, of the big competitions. But this guy 
to Bosley. I mean, he, like I said, you know, if you're already comparing him to Gerard within the first sort of four games that he's played, then, you know, he's got something that, that most midfielders don't. And, you know, if he, if he keeps progressing, you imagine by the time he's 25, how, how good he's going to be. I mean, how, par- how big he's going to be, how powerful he's going to be. <laughs> it's scary. Like, it's scary when you think about it because he's got it all. Honestly, he's, a bit of a, know, he's a bit of a throwback chief almost, isn't he? Um, because we have, we had departed very much from the, you know, the, the, the very physical, you know, box-to-box midfield runner. And we, we've from maybe like the mid 2000s to early you know two tens, we, we had the like Chavi and Esther revelation um, or revolution, sorry. But we yeah. have we have now started to see this like renaissance of that sort of player with you know the Declan Rices and the Bellinghams and um, you know obviously Sebastian. Well, I'm think... sure. That... Yeah. Sorry, sorry to cut across, but yeah, I think. Um... Things come in cycles, don't they? And and when something gets fa- when something gets phased out, it sort of gets phased out, and then nobody does it for X number of years, and then somebody reintroduces it, and it's like you've reinvented the wheel. Do you know what I mean? Because it's been out of the game for so long, so nobody really knows how to deal with it. It becomes a big thing again, and you know you go around in in in, in circles a little bit. Um, I think that's sort of the case. But Sabozlai, he's he's got so much. He's got so much control, so much technical ability on the ball. So, he, you know, a lot of the time when he had those box-to-box mid- midfielders, a lot of the time they were sort of marauding or, or, or chasing. You know, even the, even the best ones of a bygone era weren't that technically necessarily gifted. Um, not to the level that we sort of can, can see from, from Sabozlai. He seems to be two-footed, seems to have excellent close control. He's quick. He's, he's physical, as you said. So he's got all those attributes. He works back. He works forward. He's box to box. He can he can finish. He can deliver set pieces. He seems to have everything, like. Yeah, and like just a, just a, obviously midfield has been a, a talking point for probably a number of years now, and I think there on on Saturday, I think there was just a really lovely balance to what we were doing across the middle of the park. I know McAllister in the six, he's not a natural six, etc. But even for a game like Villa, you're kind of thinking we need someone there to stop that counter-attack and read that danger on the break. But we had so much of the ball that McAllister looked just so neat and tidy in there, taking it over the way the way we play with with Trent dropping in, um, staying close to him, and then and then Jones at the other side just being really sensible with the ball, just like very Wijnaldum with the I ball. I think that, yeah, that's kind of key. I think we look massively more balanced because Curtis was in there and not specifically just because he was amazing or anything, but it just gave us much more balance. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he had more passes um, in his, what, 65 minutes in the pitch and Gakpo's having his last two games. And that's not a slight on Gakpo. It's just his understanding of that position. Understanding the role and plays it completely differently. 
because yes, Gakpo can play there, but he's obviously going to play it with an eye to getting forward more and getting into goal scoring positions more and and essentially creating chances more. But Curtis is going to obviously look to do that at times, but much more frequently he's going to look to keep the ball, keep it ticking over, you know, keep keep the pressure on, keep them pending, cover over and all the rest of it. And that's, it's just a, a, a different way of approaching the role. And we were not in, we, we were not actually run through or cut open, really. I don't think at, at any point during that game. Um, whereas it's been an issue for a while that we, we've looked certainly in pre-season and, and maybe one or two games at the end of last season that, or perhaps not at the end, but certainly during last season that, that you could walk through us, basically. We were dead easy to score against. I mean, we'd be, you know, screaming blue murder in the in the WhatsApp group. And yeah, that, and you're right, Steve, like even in pre-season, the, the number of goals we concede in that matter is like, I think we forget now, but it's massively massively concerning and we've conceded three goals in in four matches um you know the two goals in the last three games are specifically down to massive individual errors um so it's not like a structural or a systemic thing as it looked like it may have been and you know the first one we we just the, the goal against Chelsea was just poor from a set piece, basically. So you're right. Even if you look at the goals that we've conceded, we have not conceded a goal like you would have attributed last season and in pre-season to a typical goal that this Liverpool side would concede. No, we don't look open anymore. Touch wood. We don't look just massively susceptible on any transition. We We, we are much more confident it seems in what we're trying to do and what we're doing and much more confident as a, as a group of players and I think the signings have made a, a difference but I think in general the moon and the camp is now right we're ready to, to just go again um, and, it, and, it, and it shows you know that we can talk about Nunez and the smash and grab and whatever and, and, and it was all that but at the same time that's a team that believed they, they could do that it's a team that believed that they would stay in the game, even with all odds against them being reduced to 10 men after 20, 28 minutes. Your captain going off, you're 1-0 down, you're away from home. But that's just a, a team that knew they could hang in and win the game, and they did. And then, Yeah, and what you need to do, what you need to do that, Chief, is you need 16, 17 players and... You know, just just to come on to you know the the back two. I think probably the major concern for the weekend was the fact that you know Van Dyke was missing through suspension, and you know Kanate still not available, as you know tends to be more regular than we would like. And you're thinking that in this system, the way we play, with Villa exploiting a high line, that's kind of their game. They've got pace in behind, you know, with Watkins and um, I can't remember who else is there, but the all the fast the people. The you know, what do you call uh, Yeah, that fella. Um, McGinn pulling the strings in the middle of the park. And you're going, 
Gomez, Matip. I think Matip plays right-hand side. Um, Gomez, not comfortable, in my experience, on the left at all. And in actual fact, you know, Joel Matip and Joe Gomez are probably two centre-halves, third and fourth choice, that I would say would be at least second and third choice in 17 out of the other 19 teams that are rocking around there. Yeah, and first and second choice for probably 12. Probably, yeah. You know, we look at Pau Torres, who everybody thought, oh, let's go sign him. He's one of the the, the best centre-halves in Europe at the minute. Has an absolute nightmare, just cannot cope. And there's been concerns about Maddox's drop-off, um, given his age. There's been concerns about, you know, Gomez's ability to recover fully from that injury. But Gomez, both against Newcastle, and he has the one slip on Sunday. But, you know, there is an outside chance that we might be starting to see something akin to you know, pick Joe his Gomez. Form. Yeah. Yeah. Finally making his way back to um the the player that he can be because he's still only what twenty six or twenty seven or something? Is he even that Is old? He even that old? Twenty four, twenty five, maybe? I can't imagine he'd be twenty four, twenty five, but I could be totally wrong. I think Benitez Benitez signs him. Yeah, but he signs him at like eighteen. But that's like Benitez or Rogers. Joe oh, Gomez no, is. I'll quickly check for you, but anyway, yeah, he's not. He's old. twenty. He's twenty-six. Yeah, he's twenty-six. Twenty-six. Yeah. But that's not old for a centre half. Like we signed Van Dyke when he's older than that. I mean, essentially coming into his prime, classically speaking. Absolutely. So I mean, you know, and if if you can get him to anything like the levels that he was in, sort of eighteen, nineteen. Um, maybe even nineteen twenty. You know, you've got, you've got a. I mean, all the, everyone is sore about the centre back situation, and we didn't sign one. And I think everybody is well within their rights to to be a little missed. But ultimately, unless we do get bad injuries, long term injuries, which can happen, and we've we've actually lived through and were scarred by. Um. We don't have that much to worry about, I don't think. I mean, you, as you're saying, you know, those two would, would, would start for a lot of clubs and would certainly be second and third choice for the majority of clubs in, in the Premier League and certainly in European leagues. So if that's your third, if those are your third and fourth choices, you're, you're sitting in a decent position. You know, they obviously rate Kwanzaa as certainly good enough to be fifth choice, uh, as good as Nat Phillips, if not better. And more suited to the system that we play now, certainly. So, ultimately, you know, you haven't you haven't lost anything there. Um, I think where we may be a bit remiss if we're talking about signings and whatever would be not having any real cover for Trent. I suppose then you put Gomez there. If you do that, then you're leaving yourself short at centre back in case of injuries and and rotation and so on. But ultimately, it's not that bad when you look at it. I mean, there are definitely worse 
backups to be had. And if you look at even the top sides, who are there? Third and fourth choice. Who are there? Yeah, like you know, Arsenal, Arsenal were talking Rob Holding, you know. Um, yeah, I think he's gone now, but somebody equally, you know, in the sort of in the same bracket. And and you go to Man United and what you've got Lindelof and Maguire. Well, sure, uh, sure, hasn't Ten Hag signed Johnny Evans Johnny because Evans. he thinks Maguire is that bad? Like Johnny Evans, mm. Johnny Evans can't run on his half spine. Even even cities who are cities third and fourth choice centre backs now. <laughs> well, I think Laporte. this. I think there this is the difference. You know, Laporte's you've got there. You've, you've got you've got Stones. You've got Ake. You've got Diaz. You've got a Kanji. You have. But sort of like a Kanji Ake. And I mean, Diaz seems to be out of favour. You know, Akanji and Ake tend, tend to play more often than not now. Yeah. Does Akanji not play left back? He, he plays left back in that like weird sort of not really left back, but left centre back sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I think they're in the issue. I'm, I'm probably forgetting another one, but I think they're in the issue, Chief, is, and this is the issue that we have is what we've got is three of those four that. You know, you will do well to get twenty games a season out of. Well, it, from a from a fitness perspective, and that is like when I'm saying twenty games a season. That's if they were the first choice. Whereas City if, just don't have that issue. Yeah, they they probably have players with better fitness records. Although, you know, Laporte's gone now, but he was crocked for a long time, wasn't he? Um, Kyle Walker's in and out much more these days as well with injuries, although he's get, he's getting on as well. They're going to struggle a little bit to replace him when, when he finally, when his legs finally fall off. Um, but, yeah, you know, ideally, like I said, you'd have one more, but it's, it's not disastrous the way you're looking at it. And, of course, you're hoping you don't get a long-term injury to one of your, one of your major centre-backs. You're hoping you don't have to play a, a Joe Matter for 10 games in a row or whatever, but as long as he only has to come in for, you know, five, six games, you're pretty you're pretty well covered. Do you know what I mean? Um, you, you do, people say it can happen. Of course it can and it does and it has, so not denying the possibility or even the likelihood because it seems to always happen to us. But, again, you have to be quite unfortunate to get a long-term injury, especially after having had the Van Dyke's just come back properly, he looks strong and fit again. He's rested with this suspension. Kanate seems a little iffy at times in terms of his injury record, but I think once you once you can probably get him fit, I think you you've got a big strong lad there, and he's young, and he will get grow out of his injuries really. Um, and Maddox obviously getting older, that's life. But Joe Gomez, again, his injuries have sort of been freakish ones. So, you know, if you can, if you can get, like you said, like you said, if you can get him playing properly and get his, his form back, which seems to be happening more and more and more because he's being used more and more and I think he feels more confident. He's a he's a world beater at his best. Oh yeah, look, like let's be honest, if like eighteen nineteen Joe Gomez um even starts for Pep City, I think. Certainly yeah. in the, certainly in this system. Totally. So 
you know, we're we're quite well stocked, we're quite well covered, and it's a nice it's a nice realization because I'm coming I was coming into this season sort of going I'm not quite sure what we're what what we're gonna see. I hope it's gonna be great, but you know, we're certainly you could say we were in transition. It's certainly a new team and you're sort of going might take a while to click or whatever. But you're four games in, you're ten points on the board, you've got a couple of hard games out of the way. You're two points better off than from exactly the same fixtures last year. So you're sitting pretty and the team looks like it is starting to click. And when you look at us and when you see us, any team is going to be scared that we're, we can score against you. And if we're starting to keep clean sheets as well, then look out. Yeah, I, th- I think that is the key thing. I- I'm sure I thought to myself, looking at these first four fixtures, that you know, I'd be delighted with eight points. And I think we spoke yep. after. I think we spoke after after Chelsea, um, before the Bournemouth game. Like, if you don't win the Bournemouth game, say yeah, you I think draw. You- Posited, we could be on one point after four games or something. Yeah, or yeah, or even, or even if you draw the the Bournemouth game and you're going, I was not you, having it at, in any way. I no, never like, but I get it. But there, there is a word where Bournemouth could be three up. Yeah, you know that that could happen, and you go into Newcastle and you 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 don't have that mentality then to go and do what you do, and then that you know momentum and feel good factor doesn't seep its way into into the villa game. Um so there is a world where you can be set with one or two points. Of course. But I think I thought to myself when I looked at those fixtures, eight points would be fucking superb. Eight points would be excellent. Get your two home games won, get a point at Chelsea, a point at Newcastle, and I think, you know, you can't ask for more than that. But in actual fact I think, yeah, we can say what we want about the Chelsea result now, but I don't think you can be happier given, you know, City have played who? Uh, Burnley, Fulham, um, and two other shit teams, two other certainly bottom half teams. Yeah. Um They've played no one. Essentially, is 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 the answer to that. You know, they've had a very nice start, just like they had a very nice draw in the Champions League. Coincidentally enough, um, that tends to be how things how things work out these days. They have played Newcastle, uh, and they've played Sheffield United. They beat Newcastle at home, uh, but otherwise they've played essentially nobody. Um, the beaten Fulham via um, a very controversial, at crucial goal at a crucial time. They beat Sheffield United with a last-minute strike from from Rodri. They beat Newcastle in a game which everyone said they were massively dominant in. But when you look at Newcastle's other away results, it's not a massive, or even other results, it's not a massively convincing win at one nil. Um, and the Battered Burnley in the first game, 3-0. But everyone's battering Burnley, so even that doesn't look that good. Spurs just went there and hit them for five, so... 
but they they had a very very nice start and they're on 12 points so good for them but they're the only team on 12 and there's a chasing pack on 10 and and of that we sort of look the most ominous i would say i don't know yeah. what you think yeah, I, yeah. Look, I can't look. Look, I think there there are issues there, and there's probably some level of PTSD given what has happened in previous years. Um, who looks, I mean, who who would you say, for example, looks more threatening as a team? If you just look at the like, even if you you look at Arsenal, do they do they have more firepower? Do they have more ways to score goals? No, and I think this is the two different ways of looking at the situation chief and you know there are some people who i think expectations are too high and there are some people who i think expectations have been dampened by last season's performance i absolutely think that we are you know the best of the rest i think i'd be surprised if we don't finish second yeah but i'll also be surprised if we finish first and Ultimately, we have got used to challenging Manchester City, be it in Europe, domestic cup competitions, and certainly, you know, in the Premier League. And I think the frustrating thing for me is, especially looking over the last couple of games, and particularly looking at, you know, the firepower we have at the top end of the pitch, the midfield additions we've made, had we forked out another even 30, 40 million on a bona fide centre half, young, fit, strong, athletic, and a kanji, even in Nathan Ake. Remember, you know, City signed Ake from Bournemouth. 40 million, everybody scoffed at it. He's won everything. Fine. Have we, if we even do that, I think we are. I think that improves our chances of actually challenging City infinitely. And I think that's that's where I, I kind of am. I think we've done more than enough to surpass Arsenal as the second best team in the league, but we haven't done nearly enough to challenge City as the first best team in the league. Well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, you might be right, but we've pulled rabbits out of the hat before. But yeah, I think, you're I think that. Right. But I think that's that's kind of the case in point, Chief. We're yeah, have to, but we're always going to have to. That's that's just the way we are. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take our destiny. It's our fate. It's our life. So I don't, you know, ultimately, I, I, it's kind of careful what you wish for because, you know. You never get that team unless you are owned by the kind of people who really just throw money at things. Ultimately, no, I get it. Do you not think? Do you not think though that given, like we've talked about, how much has been knocked off the wage bill? Probably somewhere akin to you know four hundred and fifty grand a week, if you want to look at it in that term, 50, 50 million a year. You know, I think they'll bring in a big one. I mean, I think they will bring in a big one, whether it's in January or next summer. I think that's that's in the in the post. I think they've just sort of chance they're on. They can they can do it again. This certainly for six months or five months, whatever it is, um, until until the window opens. Um, 
I think they've probably laid the groundwork for whoever it is coming in. But they, like you're linked with, for example, the likes of Julian Timber and Arsenal end up getting him and everyone's like, oh, Arsenal, I'll beat you to him. And, and now he's fucking out forever. Like, broken his whatever. He's done his cruciate um, in the first first half of the first game. Um, and, and you look around and you sort of think, well, yes, there are players out there that you could buy and, and improve and, and coach. And Ake took Ake two seasons, I think, to break into the City team. Um, and you can do that. But is that what really what we're looking for? Um, is that I don't think that's what people are actually calling for. I think we're calling for someone to come in who, when we say we'll replace Matip, Matip is what probably getting to fourth choice now. Yeah, well, I think we, you, we talked about Kanate is there to replace Matip, and I, I've I've made this argument, Keith. Like this might sound really controversial, but Kanate was there to replace Matip originally. Yeah, um, as in first choice, but Matip was demoted because of that. So now, then he became third choice, but now he's gotten older. Gomez has come back to form; he's probably fourth choice. So you are replacing Matip, but nobody wants to. Nobody wants to sign a fourth choice centre back. We all no, but I honestly, this is going to sound really controversial, but I think we need someone to replace Kanate because the numbers. No, the, Don't. And the numbers are not good. It's it's thirty, it's thirty three league games, um, between when he signs in in twenty twenty one, and largely that is down to fitness and availability. So, you know, we are in a, we are starting to enter in my kind of mind like a Nabi Kaida. Daniel Sturridge situation, which I would be keen to avoid. I know you say that, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll outgrow injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But in my experience in this team, that does not seem to happen with players. Um, they're either perpetually available, Mane, Salah, Firmino, um, Fabinho, Van Dijk, aside from the nonsense one, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, or You've got your Kaidas and your Oxley Chamberlains and, you know, hopefully not Kanate, but potentially Kanate. And this is where we've talked about it, especially given the way we're playing now. It is such a critical area of the pitch and he has all of the attributes to do exactly what we need. But... For me, that's a single point of failure, and we cannot risk that on a player that is shown historically to be available for fifty percent of Premier League games. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, you raise a, a salient point, and to be to be fair, it doesn't really matter who you're replacing. You want to buy, you you essentially want to buy first choice centre back, someone who you can play at first choice. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. I want to buy a first seen. choice right hand, yeah. right sided centre back. Everybody was calling for a left sided centre back. I want, I would rather have Andy Robertson trying to figure out how to play that position than Kanate not been able to literally get on the pitch to play that position. Who am I gonna who am I who am I gonna prioritize subsidizing or replacing or backing up there? It's it's Kanate. And yes we've mad up with Gomez, but like there's definitely definitely gonna be a number of games this year 
where none of the three of them are going to be available. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope not. I hope not because it's not it's not such an intense season. You got to remember, we don't have to play the first team in Europe till till after Christmas. You know, we're playing. Can I say played one game and he was injured in training? Yeah, I get that. He, he was injured. Klopp says because we were down to ten men against against Bournemouth, and you know he had extra runners to do and whatever. So but, if we play a, a really intense game, is he has to run like a little bit extra. Is, but is he that... was again, he was coming back from injury, he, and he he has played too much because players. But, there, play then, too but much. then again, you know, again, team, but we're we're in a position where we're having to, we're is, we're in a position where we're having to play him when he's coming back from injury. So why are we doing that? Why are we we in a position where we're having to do that? So you're you're literally, you know, you're you're feeding the own you're feeding your own issue there. Yeah, and we did need to sign, but we haven't signed, so we have to just we have to deal with that. And with a bit of luck, we're making a sign in in January, and if not, it's going to be the summer. But it it'll happen. But in front of that, we've got enough, and even within that defensive unit, I think we've probably got enough. Barring not 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 even having good luck, but barring not barring bad luck, where. We're okay there, you know. There are other, plenty of other top six clubs who would happily settle for those four being your your first choice and just gambling on the fact that none of them are going to get long term injuries. You've got Conza there as the fifth choice. You've got Endo who can drop in there as well if needs must. You know, it is what it is, but it's not like you're you're you're. You're playing the likes of Reese Williams there and and Matt, Matt Phillips. Yeah, no, listen, you're, I I don't disagree with you. I can see where there's an element of logic behind us behind that, but again, that's that's my stance on it. Um, see if we do bring one more in. Um, Clavenberg. <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of the irony here. We're kind of like, right, it's either like a centre half, which we, as I think we discussed, we would all have probably prioritised, mm-hmm. or like an an established, probably not the right term, but a recognised in the public eye and supporters, you know, consciousness, number six. Um, and we do neither. We bring in... And number eight, we we bring in a guy that isn't getting into the Bayern Munich side, who hasn't played a lot of football recently, where questions have been asked about, you know, mentality and desire um, and hunger, etc. Insert all of the Roy Keane kind of trademark statements above. The intangibles. Um, yeah, totally. Um, but at the same time, you know, I suppose there's been chatter around have we have we done this to repurpose him as a six? Is this where where Klopp sees him long term, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Or is this literally just another number? Because I feel like just buying another number for the middle of the pitch 
is very unlike us. So what would be more like us is let's buy Gini Wijnaldum as number 10 and turn him into this like kind of multi-purpose, multifunctional, um, protective recycling midfielder. What we did with Gakpo, we don't need to sign. And this is, I think this is probably the best comparison I have. I looked at the Gakpo sign and then thought to myself, left-hand side of a front three, that's the last place we need to sign anybody. We've got Diaz out there, we've got Jota who can do out there, and we've got Darwin who can like do a job out there as well. That's the last place, and all of a sudden he becomes a false nine and then ends up playing the midfield. Left-hand side or double pivot, Jones, Thiago, you've got McAllister in there, what's he going to do? You know, that's four for one position. So, I don't know, what, what's your interpretation of the logic behind this signing? Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to say that he, by all accounts, he was on Klopp's kind of special list, you know, the one that you have, which is your your most wanted, your, your dream signings. So, in all honesty, to answer your question, sort of perhaps a little glibly, I, I think they he thinks they can make him into a world beater, basically, in 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 a commanding midfield role. You know, a lot is made these days as with life in general, everything is sort of becoming more and more split in terms of and, and genreified and so on. So everyone talks about sixes and eights and all the rest of it. And and as if they can't do other jobs, they can't slip in, they can't um they can't mix roles. They can't do a little bit of everything. And I think in Gravenberg, they see someone who they can. They see their 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 Bellingham almost not the same player, but the same the same level. They think they can get out of him basically. Um, apparently, Klopp wanted him massively before he went to Munich and was was very very interested. It's not a surprise to me that he hasn't flourished uh, at Bayern. Um, it's a very particular club in a very particular place. It is populated essentially by the German national team, and the German national team is essentially populated by Bayern Munich players, particularly over the last sort of five to ten years, going back to probably, in fact, going, you know, going back a long time, but but certainly recently. Um, and he's come from from Ajax Amsterdam, and he's behind the likes of Kimmich and um, Goretzka and, and others in there who are firmly established German internationals. And he's not getting a look in. And by all accounts, that it's been a little unfair because when he has played, he has played well. Uh, and that's coming from, you know, observers who have who sort of are Bayern fans and have taken an interest. Um, so it's not like, oh, you know, he's gone there, he's you know, he's he's been a massive flop and everyone thinks he's way below the, the level. It is a very difficult side to break into, particularly if, if you're not German, essentially. Um I think Harry Kane's doing fine and you know, that's fine because they needed they needed that type of player and he went in there and, and did. But Mane had a had a tough time and um others struggle as well. So 
you know, Bergkamp went to um, where was it? He went. He went to uh, was he was he Inter. It was an Inter, and he had a shocker of a time, and he was like, oh, this big flop, and you know, moved to moved to Arsenal. The rest is history. So yeah, and I think it did take him like. Thirteen games or something to get off the mark for Arsenal. It, it didn't start well for him, and, and then, yeah, took, as took you a say, while. as you say, one of the greatest players to, to grace English football, never mind the Premier League. Exactly. So, it doesn't always work. The trajectory of, of a young star is not um, not always linear, and sometimes you know the wrong club, the wrong manager, the wrong time, and you know it can all go flat for a bit, but. I think he'll be he'll be enthused by the fact that Klopp is has has been after him for so long and was so keen to get him and the fact that Liverpool pursued him all summer. Now I remember talking on a podcast a while ago because I'd listened to I've been listening to stuff on the Anfield Rap and Rob Goodman had said that um, you know Jose and Enrique uh, on his podcast had let slip that Gravenberg was signing for. Liverpool and he said he knew this because they had the same agent and he said he was nailed on to do it. This was this is going back months and it was a name that was bandied about. We we were sort of very heavily linked at the beginning of the window and then it sort of all went quiet and lo and behold we've we've done the deal on deadline day. So it's something that's been rumbling and, and has perhaps been all but agreed for months and months. You know, if, if Jose Enrique was dropping that literally three, four months ago now. Um, so you know, it it seems like it's 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 not a last minute thing. It's not something. It's not a panic buy. It's not a we need to sign somebody and this guy's around and let's take a punt. Yeah, it's, and it, it's certainly not. It's certainly not opportunistic. I just no. I just wonder. I suppose back back to like the kind of crux of my query is. Yeah, what what are we doing with him? Yeah, I think I think we're. As was sort of stated, we wanted to go for a what was it multifunctional midfielder, and I think that's what what he can be, and and ultimately what he is, he, he is a presence and defensively strong. Because by his very nature and stature, he's he's six foot one, six foot two. You know, he's built, he's large, he's imposing, he's. Um, He's quite, you know, he's very technically gifted. He can, he takes care of the ball. He doesn't give it away. He's progressive. I suppose what I would potentially, and if, look, I'm not going to pretend I've seen a lot of him, but like a player, a player I like a lot is um, uh, Mateo Kovacic. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels a bit like that. Technical, safe with the ball, plays the right pass. His physical is imposing. And just looks like everything's just very safe and very sensible. Probably maybe a little bit, you know, Jones without the flair. Yeah, but I think he he also has, you know, he has he has composure. He has he has um, the ability to sort of open things up as well when moving forward. He's, he's He's somebody that that can like sort of liken them to Bellingham because they're similar in in sort of height. They're similar in stature. They've they've got the same range whenever they 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 extend and they run. You know they cover ground very quickly. 
um, they can move with the ball. Um, and he's very, you know, he's very, very young. He's 21 years old. So, you know, Klopp's looking at him and thinking, I can mould him. I can turn him into whatever I want. And I think that will be multi-purpose. We, we've never really, apart from Fabinho, and he's the only one, we've never, Klopp, is, and that's in how many years since Klopp's been in, what was it, 2015-16? Yeah. So that's what, now we're in 23-24, so that's eight to nine seasons. We've only ever had one midfielder who you would say was purely a six, and that's Fabinho. Yeah. That's totally fair. I'm going to counter-argue here, though. We've never really had a midfielder who we've viewed as, like, multifunctional, who everyone has had a very specific role. We haven't had a guy that you can go, oh, we can just drop him in anywhere and do whatever with him. You might argue Thiago, but we haven't really had a consistent lineup due to a variety of different reasons to really know what we're doing with him, but generally he plays kind of, you know. Yeah, but it's not, as, I, I don't think, I think that's absolutely fair, uh, but I don't think, I'm not suggesting he's going to be given a free roll or anything. I think basically what I'm saying is sometimes we'll use him as a six, like McAllister's not a bona fide six, Curtis is not a bona fide six, but they'll, they'll both get used there over the season at times. The only one we probably have now is Endo, and he essentially for me is replaced Fabinho because, like I said, they're they're sort of like for like in, in in that position, very much a six. Fabinho probably had more to his game than, than Endo does, but who knows? We but haven't really seen Endo that much. Endo run, of so that helps. In yeah, set. exactly, exactly. So, um, when it comes to 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 what we'll use him for, we'll use him in in different ways as and when we need. I think it does give us the option to flip the system a little bit more. Um, and I think Klopp's just seen the opportunity to get a player he's he's really always wanted into the team, and he's he's just sort of rubbing his hands with glee at the prospect of of what he can mould them into and what he can do with them. Yeah, and just to finish this off, Chief, I think what's interesting is we're we're probably still viewing positions in this Liverpool team as very much four three three, and it's changed, hasn't it? It's evolved. And it has so. changed. So actually. You know, are we viewing this through the wrong lens? Are we looking at this going, we need a Fabinho-style midfielder to go and do a job in this team? Or actually, has that, like, role and very specific um, requirement in this midfield been essentially retired because of the way we're now playing? Have we evolved past it? Very possibly, because, I mean... And I don't that, know. I don't know the answer. Neither do I. But we saw at the weekend there our most polished performance, as we've, we've been talking about. And um, we didn't start with a recognised six. So, you know, we had Curtis, we had uh, Sabozla, and we had McAllister in there. None of them are Fabinho-style sixes. Um, none of them were playing the McAleely role. Um, so... You never know, but the I think the idea is certainly that we want to we want to be able to use systems that don't require that, and you, you know, just want somebody to be able to do that job, or probably maybe two or three players who could do that job when yeah. the situation within a game demands it. 
yeah, or or be physical and energetic enough to to be pressing so that well enough so that you you very rarely need to do that. Okay, look, I think you know <laughs> this question may take months to get answered. It might yeah, may we'll never be answered. It, it might be it the new debate of you know. Do you remember? Can you play DM? Um, we might we might have that for another two yeah. years. Um, but yeah, so listen, Chief, listen, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it as always. And pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure. And until next time, up the fuck off PIF. Salah is going nowhere reds. <laughs>